All right, here we are, John Ingram Walker, MD, psychiatrist, writer, speaker, and we've got a great guest, Wendy. Yes, we do have a guest today, and I'm Wendy Whitus, yep, and, but we have the most important person here is our guest, Nancy Beard. Yeah, she Nancy a- Beard's a life coach. And man, we got to find out what life coaching is. I don't have any idea, but she's the expert. She's been coaching people all the Tell us, Nancy, what life coaching's about. Oh my gosh, with that introduction, that's a lot. There's a lot of power and energy in this room right now, and I'm really loving it. So yes, I am a Nancy Beard. I'm a life coach, and I coach women on how to become their best self. Well, how do you do that? I mean, you say... Uh, Vicki, I want you to become your best self. What do you I mean? What do we do? Well, you, you know, do- first we start with. Typically, we start with. You know, what is what is your problem? What do you want to solve? And um, we look at um, what do you want to accomplish through the sessions. What are your pain points? And we talk about it. We work through it. We do different projects. Um, I give homework. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now. Um, so who would uh, find you, and what would their problem be? What would their issue be? What's a typical? Yeah, typical. Yeah, yeah. Often um, with women, it's often confidence, mm-hmm. or it's often a problem in the workplace where um, they're not feeling heard. Maybe they're working a lot and someone else was promoted above them. We want, they want to work through that. It could be a relationship, but oftentimes it's, it's on confidence and empowerment. Okay. And how do people find you? How do they know about you? Well, people find me. Um, I do have a website, um, yeah. Nancy, nancybeard.com, where they can find me there. Um, but basically, I'm out in the world telling people that I'm a life coach, and if someone needs what I have, then we connect. Okay, so mm-hmm. your podcast will help you, and you got your website, and go around giving speeches and stuff like that, yeah. and people like you, and they call you up and say, I'd like to have some help with this. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Wendy, do you have any? I, I do. I want to know, like, how because I've heard of life coaches mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. Is this something that's like a new... Um, industry or mm-hmm. when did this start? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, some people call it woo woo. Um, that means it's kind of new and new age, <laughs> new age and out there. Yeah. Okay, but it's not at all. I mean, really, it started as all great things started in ancient Greece, and you know, I'm a lover. Socrates. I'm a lover, t- and I heard mm-hmm. on your last podcast mm-hmm. that you used my my favorite um, quote. The unexamined life is not worth living. That's on my website. Uh, Do oh, you know Socrates. that? I did not. It's on the Socrates, and I, I, I thought it was Socrates, and I talked myself out of it. No. Um. No. If you go to my website, it's on my website. The unexamined life is not worth living. And that's kind of what I base my coaching on. That you know what Aristotle said, the unplanned life is not worth examining. Well, did he say that or did you just Aaron make Thomas that up? Said that. Okay. So you can put that on your website too because, okay. you know, they got to examine it and then they got to plan it. Yep. So Absolutely. that's two Socrates and Aristotle, man. You're, and then you got Wendy right here. You're with a bunch of scholars. Well, and then we have, Pla- we have Plato too. So Plato kind of. Well, you know. I don't know if Plato said anything. But anyway, 
I mean, Plato said a lot, but I don't think he said... All right, Dad, let her answer the question. She was right in the middle of her thought about where this all started. You're just doing that. Well, Plato did have some dialogues on that about about challenging assumptions. Mm -hmm. And that's what coaching is about, is challenging your assumption on something. So certainly it has roots back to ancient Greece, as most things do. But in um, America, it started in the 80s when we started hearing about sports coaching, business coaching, and it evolved then to career coaching, life coaching. And so it really started on the West Coast, as most things Mm. do, and they kind of take a little more time to get to the East Coast where we are. But um, so I've been doing coaching for five years now, and as with most coaches, we've done a lot of work on ourselves. (laughs) So. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, do you have to have training for that? Do you go to a conference or something? Or? Yeah. Well, um, you know, it is an unregulated industry. Um, so, you know, there is a little bit of conflict between the medical profession, social workers, things of that nature. But because it is unregulated, mm-hmm. you can just set up a sign and say, I'm a life coach. You I can did. Put out your shingle. You I'm can. A life coach. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not judging. Somebody might be a fabulous life coach who's done a lot of work on themselves to get there. Um, I did go to the life coach school out of Texas and, and got certified. When I did it, it was a year long training. But um, studied under Brooke Castillo. But, you know, I study under a lot of different people. Um, I, in my previous career in nonprofit management and fundraising, I had a commitment that I would mentor women in the workplace. Loved that part of what I did and Mm -hmm. said, when I retired from that, how would I take those skills and use them? And decided that life coaching was what I really wanted to pursue And then I went through a year of deciding which school was right for me. Did I want to go back to a university, which they do have uh, coach certifications in universities? Oh, really? Yes, they do. Hmm. And um, decided that the life coach school. You mean you can take a, your major can be life coaching? You can go back for certification programs in life coaching. Yes. And. So I decided that really uh, the Life Coach School and Brooke Castillo's teaching at that time really aligned with who I am and and how I feel about life. So so that's how it worked for me. So people who want advice, would that work for them or not? Well, it's not really for advice. Um, If you come to a Life Coach, you are going to dig a little bit deeper, and we believe your answer is within yourself. So we're going to use questions to ask you you how to get there. We're going to guide you on that journey. We're going to encourage you as you do it. We're going to help you set challenging goals. But there will be a lot of questioning, mm-hmm. um, really good questioning for you to come up with the answers. Okay, Socratic mm-hmm. method then. It's Socratic like method. We're, yeah. we're back to the ancient Greeks yes. again. <laughs> I love it. Um, so um, when you tell us about the Socratic method, well, Socratic method is about, it's about questioning. So mm-hmm. you're asking questions, and uh, we used to, I used to teach in a classical setting where mm-hmm. we would ask our students to sit in a Socratic circle and discuss a book that they'd read or some other topic mm-hmm. by asking each other questions. So it's a great way of learning and, and really digging deep, like love you said. That. Yeah. I well, love you know, that. I that love is, sitting between these two really <laughs> smart people. Oh, you know, this is when great. You, you know, when you, what's nice is, you know, if you give a lecture, for example, 
you're up there giving a lecture, um, you know, they can go. But if you're up there and you ask a question every once in a while, it keeps them alert. It does keep people yeah. engaged. Yeah. That's right. Because yeah. so, it makes them think, too. Makes them actively. think. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have two daughters, and one of them just has her goals and her career is just internal. She's just really driven. She knows what she wants. She goes after it. And my other daughter is just really kind of struggling, like Mm -hmm. to know who she is and what Mm -hmm. she wants to do. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's tried different things. And would life coaching be something that she could benefit from? I think she would probably benefit greatly from it. One thing I like to do in life coaching, you typically don't go back to the past. It's present and you go forward. Oh, I love that. But (laughs) I, and, but I love to ask one question, which I think often reveals who someone was intended to be. And that was when you were five years old, what did you want Mm -hmm. to do? Because often we were revealing ourselves early on, but our parents didn't recognize that. And I am the one, my children revealed to me very early who they were, but I tried to put them on this traditional path that didn't work for Got them. Yeah. Well, I didn't um, know what I wanted to do when I was five years old. Well, and what that's just, you, it's a question not everybody yeah. does, but yeah. some or people... what did you play how did imagination. you imagination? What was your? You know, Some people me, revealed themselves very, mm-hmm. very early. Oh, I'd say if you like, you imagine things. What did you imagine? I think so because, like, when I was maybe not five, but around seven or eight, I would gather all my stuffed animals and I would teach them, yeah. and I would make little worksheets <laughs> for them, and I would, you know, just. I remember that. I remember that. And then you, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was cute. And you had little books for them, mm-hmm. mouse yeah. books and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And that was cute. And uh, then uh, you started reading before you were a year old. You were mm-hmm. always real, real, real smart. And uh, so you could teach those animals real good. <laughs> I could at least teach a stuffed animal that didn't have a brain. Yeah. yeah. And I always wanted to be the leader. Or um, one of the things is when I was six, I did Trick or Treat for UNICEF. And I was a little girl growing up in Indiana, and, you know, I didn't really know people that were hungry or starving. So the only way I knew about the world was through um, Encyclopedia Britannica or National Geographic. But something hit me that it made me angry that children had to be hungry. Mm. And from that point forward, I always gravitated towards social justice issues, Um, empathy for other people, and I knew that I was a little bit out of sync with my peers as to how extreme I got with that. Mm. And so I believe early it was being revealed to me who I needed to be, and I just so happened to go to work in the nonprofit sector, being the voice for people without a voice and being the person who could raise funding for those causes. So I do think if you look back to when you were a young child, a lot of things were revealed at that time. Mm, yeah, what you're passionate about, what uh, what interests, interested you as a child. Yeah. And I go to what makes you angry, yeah. what seems unfair. Yeah. 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 And if it makes you angry and it's unfair, then go fight for it. Yeah, or fight for uh, that cause. Well, I think passion is the key. Yeah. Like I told Wendy and Brad, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're passionate about it. If you're passionate, you're going to be a success. And the problem is with the one we're talking about, it doesn't seem like she has that much passion, you know. And so 
I don't know how you give people passion. You don't give people passion. You help to pull it out of them because maybe they're afraid to tell you what they really want to do. Maybe they um, feel like they're a failure. It's not something that is in your family is an acceptable thing to do. So I've I've gone through that with my children. And, um, you know, I'm so proud of of who they've become and what they've done. But they both chose their own path. And it was a non-traditional path. And as a mother, I tried guiding them on a path that wasn't right for them. So... Part of coaching is you have to learn that you can be wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been wrong a lot. I so. love non-traditional paths. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get lost a lot of times, uh, but generally if you have a compass, you'll find your way back. Yeah. And that compass is for me, it's God. You know, God helps me a lot with making decisions when I pray and so forth like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's a foundation personally. To having a good planned life is have faith in a God who loves you and cares for you and wants the best out of you. Mm-hmm. What do you oh, think, yeah. Wendy? Yeah, I think uh, for everyone, the object of that faith is going to be discovered, right? So whether it's, it's God as you see him or if it's something inside but yeah you've got to have passion come from somewhere yeah or a higher power but one of the things i sent an email out today and it's on self-love that really Mm -hmm. before you can love others you have to love yourself Mm -hmm. and that is probably the hardest lesson we're going to learn because we beat ourselves up we look at our past failures Um, We look at what we thought we were going to be, and our life doesn't look exactly like that. So you have to love yourself first. Well, self-love is accepting your limitations and developing your talents. Uh, And I think a lot of people uh, have trouble accepting their limitations and accepting their mistakes. I know I have trouble with that myself. And, uh, And then... Uh, growing to the fullest to help other people. I think uh, self-love should be on the focus, like you, Nancy, helping other people, like Wendy, helping other people. All of us should want to help other people, and then by that helps us love ourselves when we're helping other people. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Wendy? Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I say, I, I look at mistakes differently. I look at mistakes like, woohoo, I made another one. Now, <laughs> what did I learn from it? Yeah. And I look at, I make mistakes because I'm on a journey of self growth. And in, in order to move forward, I've got to make mistakes because if I don't make mistakes, I'm not trying new things. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying new things. And this year I'm doing, um, a year of discomfort. And I have to do things that I fail. I have to do things that make me uncomfortable and I'm not good at. Yeah, you do, what, 52 things that yeah. you have to do? So one you're... a week. Are you choosing something one a week? Or... I am. Yeah, yeah I um, I have a list of things made out, and I'm, I think I'm ahead of schedule here. But, <laughs> you know, when I tell people I'm doing this, they think it's something really grand. And it's not discomfort. It's in the tiny things. It's in the small things. And I started the year, the first thing I did in the year was um, I went to a Pilates reformer class. And if someone hasn't been to a Pilates studio 
A reformer looks like a medieval torture. It does. I've never <laughs> done it, but I've seen it. I know what you're talking about. I w- and I told myself, I can't do this. I'm not a sporty girl. I'm not fit enough for this. I told myself all the stories, it's going to hurt. I fell in love with it and now not only go to Pilates class on a reformer, but I go to floor Pilates class too. Love it. It's the best for balance and strength and posture Absolutely. and all those things. Yeah. So that's that certainly was one that I told myself I couldn't do and fell in love with. Um, another one was um, hiring a dog trainer for me and my seven-year-old dog. Now, you know, people say, that dog's seven years old. Well, you know what? I needed some training on how to... <laughs> The training is for the training. It's, it's, it's for, the for me. Yeah, it's for the and that was hard because yeah. I had to be, uh, I had to talk in a different tone to my dog rather than loving on her all the time. I had to be the boss. And my dog was definitely the boss of me. I can't think of anything I would be afraid of or wouldn't want to do. Well, I mean, I guess like jumping out of the airplane, I'll jump out of the airplane. Um, Are you, would you be afraid to do it? Well, I, I think, would be afraid to do well, it. Well, I think it'd be a little fearsome. But, um, you know, it'd be exciting, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah discomfort. Discomfort can be exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things I did was a pottery class. And to somebody who loves arts and crafts and pottery, that's great. I personally absolutely get a pit in my stomach if I think about touching wet clay and the cold and my hands being dirty it makes me very uncomfortable Hmm. and then it goes from childhood of me telling myself an old story that I'm not good at art Mm -hmm. and that told myself that story too yes Mm -hmm. so when the art when the pottery teacher came around to me I was literally at 65 years old in sheer panic that she's going to say you did that wrong and she came up to me and said that looks beautiful so I had been telling my story for years that I'm not good at art, but I have two artistic children. Did they not get something from me? Right. But I had told myself that story for well, so long. Well, I'm not good at art, and I never will be good at art. <laughs> but you might want to go take an art class. <laughs> so that would make you so uncomfortable. Makes me uncomfortable. Uh, I guess I should. Uh-huh. You found something. <laughs> We're gonna. Hey, then I'll have to go to a life coach and get uh, un- get comfortable or something. Uh-huh. You'd have to get me uh-huh. to do that, Nancy. We're going to help you make your list of 52 <laughs> things. <Yes. laughs> so you mentioned earlier that you you give people homework. Can you give mm-hmm. an example of like what would be a homework yeah. assignment? Well, for some, homework could be as simple as um, listening um, listening to other people's podcast. Um, pod, a lot of people listen to podcasts and self-help podcasts, so I will hand-select the ones that are right for them. Uh, a homework assignment could be we talk about joy. And joy is a word that people either love or they hate. Mm-hmm. They either understand or they don't understand. But to me, finding things that bring joy to you is kind of uh, the basis. It's at the very beginning of our work. because And, and that comes from, um, I, I use examples because people want to say, well, my children give me joy. Well, they don't always, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> when they behave, they yeah. give you joy. Yeah. Yes. But I try to go to, let's go to five things that are very simple that bring you joy. So for me, the color magenta brings mm-hmm. me joy. R&B music brings me joy. Uh, back in the old, the old stuff. 
baby birds chirping. Mm, I love that. Brings me joy. Lighting a candle. Oh. And just enjoying this, the fresh scent. Yeah. I love a new candle. Children laughing. Mm-hmm. People having belly laughs. Those things bring me joy. <laughs> He's a good belly laugher. Yeah, my husband's <laughs> a great contagious. belly laugher. Um, but belly laughing, what happened with that is when we were allowed to do it when we were children, and then we got to be five or six, we were told, stop that. You're too old to be doing that. That's too much. You're being too silly. Now, maybe, you know, not in your household, but in most households. It was like at five years old, that type of belly laugh came to a stop. And it was like, it's a form of expression. Let's bring our belly laugh back. You mean they wouldn't let you laugh? Not the belly laugh, the silly deep or in, laugh. Yeah, in school, like, oh, oh. it's you know, it's time to be quiet. Yeah. yeah. If you're a proper yeah. little girl, you yeah. don't have a belly laugh. You can giggle, you can smile, whatever, but that's it. But, I mean, I think laughter is important to bring back, but also one that I'm really focusing on this year is play. I love to swing. I love to go. And, oh, and yes. let, me, let me clarify what that means. <laughs> Please do that means, what kind of swing that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means on a swing where you sit and you pump your legs and you're flying in the air and not um, the upside down pineapple type it, of it's, swing. It's not anything. And it's so funny. I'm wearing a necklace. My husband brought me. That's a pineapple. <laughs> but it's the right side up. It's the right, right, okay. Yeah. I didn't even know any of that. Okay, so. Um, Play is important. So this year, I'm uh, one of my uncomfortable things was I s- started a ballet class. Wow! And awesome. most of it was I wanted those cute little pink Capizio shoes, mm-hmm. but um, it goes along with my feeling that I need to have balance and core strength and and that. But if when I'm in my class for forty minutes, I have a smile and a grin for 40 minutes straight oh, wow. because they play they play the music like if you take a five-year-old to ballet class it's that bang 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 music you know it's ridiculous it's it's so basic and that's what they play in my class and I'm just like I feel like a five-year-old at the nice. ballet bar playing so Didn't I think that hurt your toes well, you don't do toes. That's that's more advanced no level. No point. John, there's only about three positions, so we're good. Um, but I think laughter and play are hugely important for us as adults. I agree. I think that we, it's the same thing you mentioned as laughing, is when we grow to be adults, we're no longer allowed to play in society. Mm-hmm. It's not... Yeah. It's not civilized. It's not uh, It's not dignified, right? Right. But it's such a joy to see and for yeah. me to see an older well, person on a swing or, you know, just <laughs> You do a lot of play. Fun. Yeah. I try to incorporate play into my yeah. life, too. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Like, but what's it that, does um, make you uncomfortable when you first start, yeah. right? You're it on a abs- swing set and you're like... Hmm, yeah, should I be here? I'm like I saw kids. yesterday, I saw this hill, and it was like, wouldn't that be fun to, to roll run. down that hill? <laughs> <laughs> to roll down the hill, and it was like, huh, I might do it, but well, it, but it's like when no one's around. But it's like, <laughs> but it, it takes us back to that childhood happiness yes. that we had. I'll well, tell you, you a story. Well, if you, I do know where you go because when my daughter comes to visit from Seattle, the first thing she says is, Mom, let's go swing together because oh, we did that when so she was sweet. a child. So um, at Jaton Park in Cornelius, they have swings. 
You have to stand in line till those little children decide they're going to get off of them. But then you just get on there and you do it. But no, I actually look for them. And I have a picture of me down at Sabre Rock in the British Virgin Islands on a swing that was at a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those it, was, it was the bar swing. Yeah. But, um, but um, I, there's another picture of me swinging on a swing from a tree. It's just, you know yep. what? If I see a swing, I need to go jump on it. Yeah, what was that uh, steakhouse, 49ers or something like that? Oh, and they had that lady on the swing. You know, she was uh, oh, on yes. the swing. Well, it was a steakhouse. It was in San Te- Francisco. San Francisco San, Steakhouse. San, so San Francisco in, in Texas. Steakhouse. I don't yeah. know if they had yeah. other places. But, <laughs> yep, they had in the middle of the steakhouse, it was kind of a round a stage. Uh-huh. And a girl would swing over you as you well, dined, and well, it was really a big long, It was a big swing. swing. Yeah. <laughs> so, Nancy, do you have any last words for us? Um, anything you want to tell us about how to get in touch with you or anything like that? Yeah. Um, you can um, find me at um, nancybeard.com, or you can email me at nancybeardcoaching at gmail.com. Nancybeardcoaching at gmail.com. Yep. yep. And then I have a conference coming up that you can learn about that, and it's at womenwithstrength.co, and it's not .com, it's .co. So they can find me in all those places. Yeah, and we're going to have you back. Tell us about that conference. We're going to have you back uh, for a conference, so we'll talk about the conference with us. Yeah. Okay. But you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I'll just give you quickly. It's an intergenerational conference from women of all ages to come together to be inspired and motivate and embrace their own life story and just fill this sense of community of uh, strong women holding each other up. And when will that be and where? That's October the 14th in Denver, North Carolina, and it's at Twin Mills Club at Trilogy Lake Norman. It's from 10 to 4 on Saturday, October the 14th. And oh, the cost sounds, the cost is $149. Well, that sounds like a good time. Women, and you'll hear speakers and then break up and yeah. stuff like that. We have, yeah. we have three coaches. Um, we have three coaches. We have a panel of seven women from ages 28 to 84. Wow. Um, and one from each decade will wow, be speaking. Yeah. yeah, so that we get a perspective from all ages. Wow, that's pretty neat. Very excited. <laughs> that would be good. Be I, I'd like to go to that, but you won't let me I go. I know. I tell you, you can't. <laughs> we have no men allowed. <laughs> yeah. And not to shut you out, but it's just because women no. can be themselves when yeah. they're around. And, well, and, and I want to make it clear, that a big point of this conference is that we love men, and mm-hmm. we need men, and men are part of our life, but women need a day when they can be together to just be themselves and be in a safe place to grow and embrace um, all that their life journey has been. Okay, well, that's good. I'll stay out. Okay. <laughs> no, I told you you could come at the end. <laughs> at the end, yeah. You can come at the end. Uh, uh, are you going to video it? We will. I have uh, my well, daughter. My daughter is flying in from Seattle, and she'll be videotaping it. And so will my son. And so one of my dreams was to work with my children, and this is my opportunity to do that. So I'm excited about. Well, that. Nancy, you know, I really admire you for doing these 50 things that you don't like to do. I think that is great, and you're 
getting to play with it and all that. That is fantastic. I, that's a good idea for a lot of people mm-hmm. to do that, do some stuff that they're uncomfortable with. I think mm-hmm. that would be good for everybody but me. <laughs> Nancy, thanks for being with us. Thank and you. This was fun. Our audience to be their best, live their best selves, and Great. and you can help them. Uh, I think you've helped people even today just by some of the things that you've mentioned that yeah. they can implement in their own lives. So, we thank you. What thanks fun. For, thanks for being here. Okay. Bye bye. We're signing off. Okay.